Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to A History of Europe, Key Battles, The Battle of Bouvines, Part 3 of 3. In early 1214, a major confrontation was brewing in northwestern Europe. On one side was Philip II, the Capetian King of France, known to his admirers as Philip Augustus. Since the beginning of his reign in 1180, Philip had not only taken control of large parts of France from the English, but also strengthened the authority of his crown over many French counties, which had hitherto enjoyed virtual independence. Opposing him were no less than four high-ranking nobles. First, King John of England, who had spent the last decade demanding heavy taxes to pay for a campaign to recover his French territories. John was playing a high-risk strategy, spending all the treasures he had accumulated over the years on the upcoming campaign. Victory would bring great gains and salvage John's reputation, but failure would lead to economic disaster and a further worsening of his troubled relationship with his barons. The stakes were no less high for his ally, the Holy Roman Emperor Otto IV. Otto was embroiled in a civil war with the young pretender Frederick II Hohenstaufen and fast losing support among nobles throughout his lands. He badly needed a victory to maintain his credibility and to persuade the French king to stop supporting Frederick. The two other leading nobles were Count Ferdinand of Flanders and Count Renaud of Boulogne, who along with other local nobles were fighting for their independence from the ambitious King Philip, who was trying to impose his authority in their lands. In early 1214, Otto, Ferdinand and Renaud were ready to jointly invade Philip's lands from the northeast at the same time as John was to lead his navy to the west coast of France and attack Philip from there. John was probably feeling confident. His long years of careful coalition building had created an impressively powerful league united against his enemy. And the campaign started well when John made quick gains in the counties of Poitou and Angers. However, when news arrived that King Philip II's son, Louis, was approaching at the head of an army, his local allies suddenly lost faith and refused to risk battle. Instead of engaging with Prince Louis, John could only retreat and take cover back where his expedition had begun, in La Rochelle. The success of the campaign now rested on events in the north. John's illegitimate brother, William Longsword, was supposedly the commander-in-chief of the Northern Operation, but his command was disputed among the other elite generals. Otto IV, as Holy Roman Emperor, was the most prominent figure, 
but his force was a relatively small one. In July 1214, Otto's forces joined up with the armies of Count Ferdinand of Flanders, Count Reno of Boulogne, Count William of Holland, the Dukes of Limburg and Brabant, Count Conrad of Dortmund and many other important barons. Philip Augustus had long been watching the Flemish frontiers, and while his son was heading towards John in Anjou, he was preparing for a decisive contest with his northern foes. On the French-Flemish border were the rivers Somme and the Scheldt, and the marshes which surrounded them. Philip's forces crossed a bridge by a village called Bouvines on their way to Tournai, a town sympathetic to the Capetians, which lay at the entry into Flemish territory. On the 25th of July, King Philip entered the gates. Otto, meanwhile, was approaching, hoping to blockade Philip's forces within the town walls. The best and fullest description of the battle is provided by William the Breton, who is present at the event. His works have to be treated with caution, as they are clearly written to put as good a light as possible on Philip. He depicts Philip as impatient to attack his enemy, only to be restrained by his military advisers. The accounts of Roger of Wendover, on the other hand, more convincingly indicate that Philip had adopted a more defensive strategy. He may even have been playing for time in the hope that the disagreements among the coalition leadership would lead to their collapse. On the 27th of July, Philip marched from Tourney to Lille, back the way he had come from. To the Emperor, this act looked like a retreat. Count Renault of Boulogne advised caution, but the rest of the Allied army were eager for battle and decided to pursue the enemy. The king was now persuaded that he must prepare for battle, and near Bouvines found the favourable terrain he had been looking for. It was an extremely hot day, and Philip stopped by the bridge on the Tourney-Lille road. Here he had shade as well as a plentiful supply of drinking water. At this point the vanguard of the Allied forces reached the rearguard of the enemy, but their haste had meant they were stretched out. Instead of halting their march and waiting for the rest of their army to catch up, they launched straight into battle. A second part of the army soon joined them, but throughout the course of the battle, Allied soldiers continued to arrive, some not even reaching the field until the battle was over. The French army, on the other hand, had already managed to get into good formation. The left wing of the Allies, composed mainly of Flemish cavalry under leadership of Ferdinand, faced a Capetian right wing made up of heavy cavalry supported by lighter horsemen, led by the Duke of Burgundy and the Count of Champagne. In the centre of the Allied forces was Emperor Otto, his German barons and their cavalry and infantry. They faced Philip Augustus's main body, also both cavalry and infantry commanded by the king himself. Finally, on the Allies' right wing, Renaud of Boulogne and William Longsword commanded a division of their own soldiers and also several bands of mercenaries whose services had been bought with English money. The Battle of Bouvines began with a clash between the Allied left and the French right wings. This took the form of several waves of cavalry charges. After two or three hours, the French were gaining the upper hand, and several Allied knights were killed or captured. 
Count Ferdinand lost his horse and was fighting on foot, and was slowed down by serious wounds and exhaustion. Eventually he was forced to surrender to save his life, as he was no longer physically able to defend himself. William of Breton conveyed the intensity of the battle. Quote, From both sides the combatants engaged with each other over the whole plain, in a melee so thick that those who are striking and those who are being struck are so close together that they can hardly find the space or opportunity to stretch out their arms in order to deliver more vigorous blows. The vestments of silk attached over the armour so that every knight can be recognised by his signs have been slashed and ripped into a thousand threads by the maces, swords and lances that beat upon their armour to break it, so that hardly anyone could distinguish his friend from his enemy. Here a cavalryman, there a foot soldier, voluntarily surrender themselves to irons, fearing to be struck dead more than to live vanquished. End quote. In the centre of the battle, Otto ordered his troops forward and succeeded in pushing the enemy back. German soldiers penetrated further through the lines of the enemy in an attempt to reach King Philip. Armed with their pikes and bill hooks, they reached out for Philip on his horse. One hook from a pole arm secured itself in Philip's chainmail, and the king was brought head first down to the ground. A French knight, Pierre Tristan, saw the king was in grave danger. He bravely dismounted and put himself between the king and his assailants, holding them off while king mounted Pierre's horse and escaped to relative safety, while Pierre was killed by the Germans. Had the king died at this moment, the result of the battle could have been very different. Eventually the German attack petered out, with the French centre regaining their lost ground and then pushing their opponents back. In the midst of battle, Otto's horse was wounded, forcing the emperor to flee. But the battle was not over. On the French left flank, the struggle continued, as furiously as ever, with no side gaining the upper hand as they fought over the dead and dying bodies of the fallen. Count Reno of Boulogne proved himself the most effective Allied commander on the field of battle. He formed his infantry into a large circle of tightly knit pikemen. From within this defensive formation, he led his heavy cavalry in successive charges against the French before resting and regrouping in the relative safety of this enclosure. However, eventually, as these French soldiers begin to gain reinforcements from the other two victorious divisions, the remaining allies left on the field began to tire and weaken. William Longsword was knocked from his horse and captured, leaving Count Renaud to fight bravely on against increasingly desperate odds. Hopelessly outnumbered, he and his men continued, perhaps in the hope that the Allied forces could regroup and return to the field. But eventually he was overwhelmed and captured, and the battle was over. Philip Augustus does not have a reputation for being a particularly great commander, but in the Battle of Bouvines, the king did demonstrate his typical patience, good judgment and ability to inspire others. He had deployed his troops successfully, despite the pressure of time, and his forces should be credited with showing good discipline throughout. The battle could have gone either way, but the performance of the Allies was inconsistent and not so well coordinated. According to the historian John France, what told in the French favour was their unified command. 
The Allies, on the other hand, were a coalition army that had only got together for the first time four days before the battle and were thus inherently unstable. In the battle, the French captured some 130 knights and five counts or earls, those of Boulogne, Flanders, Salisbury, Dortmund and Mecklenburg. Most of the knights were taken to Paris and later ransomed. None were executed, and Philip held no ill towards those who were in the battle to serve their lord. Count Ferdinand of Flanders, however, was chained, placed upon a cart and imprisoned for many years. His wife, Joan, remained as countess in name, but real power in the Flemish court was now in the hands of pro-French nobles. Only after the deaths of both King Philip and later his son, Louis VIII, was Ferdinand finally released after many years languishing in prison. He died a broken man six years afterwards of an illness contracted in prison. Renaud of Boulogne was also imprisoned in an even harsher conditions. His county was granted to an illegitimate son, Philip, and when his ally, Ferdinand, was finally released, but he was still kept in prison, Renaud realised he would never be allowed his freedom again. He could take no more and took his own life. Historians are unanimous on the importance of the Battle of Bouvines and its outcomes. According to William Hutton in his biography of Philip Augustus, it was the most important engagement ever fought on French soil. As for the French historian George Duby, quote, for once it is entirely justifiable to close one of the periods of very gradually evolving political and administrative history with a specific event and a precise date. On the evening of the 27th of July, 1214, a change took place that was to last for two centuries. The battle decided everything. End quote. As for the northern borders of France, all threat from Philip's enemies had been crushed. Philip had already, through military and diplomatic efforts throughout his reign, weakened the power of Flanders. And after the Battle of Bouvines, the county now found itself under French dominion. The Flemish towns tried to maintain their trade with England, but found they had no option but to be dictated to by the French. Also, since the English crown could no longer afford Flemish mercenaries, most moved to the side of new Capetian paymasters. Philip had, for the foreseeable future, destroyed England's political influence in Flanders. Emperor Otto IV escaped the battlefield, but that was little consolation. His defeat was the final nail in the coffin for his hopes of ruling Germany, let alone a wider empire. Frederick II, supported by the papacy, emerged from the long civil war as the only viable candidate for emperor. Few in Germany could now be in any doubt where the future lay, and the nobles hastened to make peace with the young man, soon to be their new emperor. As a symbol of the outcome of the battle, King Philip had the captured imperial standard sent to Frederick, who was crowned in Aachen in 1215. He went on to dominate the politics of Italy and Central Europe during his long reign until 1250 and earned himself the sobriquet of Stupor Mundi, or Wonder of the World, for his many achievements. Otto instead retired to Brunswick and died in 1218, poor and miserable, 
his fate having been sealed on the plains of Bouvines. As for King John, though not present personally at Bouvines, he suffered much by its outcome. His patient years of rebuilding a coalition against Philip in an attempt to recover the continental lands of the Angevin Empire were ended on the day of the battle. On top of the loss of Normandy, Brittany, Maine and Anjou, John soon after also lost control of Poitou to the Capetians. He returned to England, humiliated and impoverished. Less than a year later, his barons, increasingly angry at the way he extorted money, forced him to sign the Magna Carta, which limited his royal power and so in some ways helped to form the basis of English democracy. According to Sean McGlynn, an expert in the period, Bouvines was the last draw. If John had won the battle, Magna Carta could have been avoided, but instead all this taxation had gone to waste. John was weakened, and the barons saw their opportunity. John Francis agrees and writes, quote, If the English and their allies had won at Bouvines, John would have had the plunder and the prestige. The baronial opposition would have melted away. Bouvines was that rare thing, a battle that was genuinely decisive. End quote. When Prince Louis, son of King Philip, led an invasion of England in 1216, he received much support from the English barons. His hopes of gaining the English throne were only thwarted by the sudden death of King John, which prompted the barons to unite behind John's young son, who became King Henry III. The English withdrew their interests from the continent and concentrated instead on affairs on the British Isles. As for France, after the Battle of Bouvines, Philip Augustus could confirm all his previous gains. The former Plantagenet territories accepted that the extension of the control by the French crown was likely to be permanent, confirmed by the next decade of relative peace and growing prosperity. And within France, the unrivalled power of the crown had to be respected. Philip had now been king for well over 30 years and had seen off all potentially dangerous enemies. There was nothing to gain and much to risk losing from opposing such a powerful monarch. In France, the reigns of Louis VI and Louis VII changed the Capetians from a relatively insignificant local dynasty into a power to be reckoned with. Yet the really decisive period of the dynasty's era was the period of rule of Philip II Augustus. At the beginning of his reign, Philip had little genuine power beyond a small area around Paris. By the time he died, the whole face of France had changed. He had become the undisputed ruler of the great majority of the lands controlled all those centuries ago by Clovis, the first king to unite French lands. Not only that, but the administration of his government had advanced rapidly, helping the French crown to more effectively exert its influence and exploit the resources of its territories. It was during Philip's reign that France was transformed from a regional power into one of the dominant political and cultural forces of the 13th century. Bouvines was a crucial step in France's path to becoming a great European power in the centuries to come. But there is one more story to tell in the rise of centralised power in France in the early 1200s. 
in the south of the country, a Christian sect called the Cathars was becoming highly influential. The papacy, determined to stamp out what they saw as heresy, launched what became known as the Albigensian Crusade. I will cover this in the next podcast. Many, many thanks for all your emails to me and likes and comments on Facebook. If you enjoy this podcast, probably the best way you can help is by giving me a review on iTunes to help spread the word. Also visit the Facebook site where I put up maps and pictures related to the topics and battles covered. Thank you for listening. I hope you can join me again in three weeks' time for the Albigensian Crusade, concentrating on the Battle of Murray of 1213. Until then, goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.